Although, if you think about it in the context of, like, the beginning of a zombie apocalypse, you're like, oh, that could be a zombie, like, a, one of the first zombie attacks here, you know, like a, a traffic accident or somebody's got a chainsaw on something else, you know, because they're not cutting out a tree. They're, you know, they're trying to get out of a, a new situation where they don't know why this person's, maybe it's a meth head attacking them or something, you know. In a world where you only have trailers and posters to judge a movie, Jim and Ted strike out to answer the age-old question, will you see it? All right, Ted, we have a couple of episodes today on this happy Friday for episode 174. How are you? Good, good. We have a couple of episodes? Uh, uh, trailers. Trailers, sorry. yeah. <laughs> I was like, episodes of <laughs> bouts of things. We have 174, <laughs> 175. We're going to do it all tonight. No, no. So, yeah, two trailers, that is. But before before we have two trailers, we have two beers. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Well, I have a very special beer that's been waiting for a trailer much like one of the ones we're going to oh, watch. Okay. So how about you go first? Okay. And then I'll uh, present what I, I've been waiting. So. <laughs> okay. So the, my beer is the last of my triple header. Okay. To, to make sure that I demolished you on ABVs for the past three weeks. Uh, you probably did again. So this one is called Rack and Ruin and it's barrel aged okay. Imperial Stout. Oh, I think most of these were Imperial Stouts, but yeah, this one is your more traditional all Almond, cacao, pecans, vanilla beans. I wouldn't say that's tradition. <laughs> it's uh, Jackie O and Buxton Brewery. So Jackie O always does like great collabs. My daughter Audrey says I say that incorrectly. Collab? Collabs. That's what I. That's the way. How I else say do you say it? Collaboration. Yeah, that's what I. That's the way I think about it. But what does she say? Collab or something like that. She collab, but it's not. Anyway, it's Valley Girl speak. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Jackie O is from Ohio, so that's nice. Well, you know what she says. What? It's not collab or whatever. It's collab. Collab. Let's vocal, collab. Let's vocal fry it. All right, so we'll see what this is and how this goes here. So while you, my friend, are doing that, I have uh, a double IPA, 8.2%. Playground Tactics, and I want you to tell me if you can figure out which which trailer trailer this is going to be for. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> is that amazing? There you go. It looks just like uh, Colin's huge afro. It's hella unfiltered. It's Urban Roots again. So as you can see there, it's Urban Roots. Oh yeah. And I got this about five six weeks ago, and I thought to myself, there's going to be something that's going to have. Like a black dude with a big fro. And when that happens, I'm ready. I'm going to I'm just bring prepped. it. I'm ready to go. And sure enough, you, you did not disappoint. We have one. It probably came sooner than later. We have one with Colin Kaepernick tonight. Yes. And his fro is to just be loved and admired. That thing is so enormous. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a great thing. So let's check out this urban roots for you. Oh, I didn't even tell you what this was. I, I buried the lead. My ABV. Did I tell my ABV? No. Oh, look. I, so I, I misread this. I, I was going to say my ABV is 12.7, but that's the fluid ounces of this bottle. 
the ABV of of tonight's beer is 13.1. 13.1 and oh and you said 12.7 fluid ounces? 12.7 fluid ounces. So that's the the special bottle, you know, with a little Yeah. Oh, I see. There that's kind bottle. of the European Yeah. Like 33 centiliters or however they do it. <laughs> yeah, right. They, they always uh, get you on those couple, right? Right. All right. So, yeah, this and this one's unfiltered, so it's like kind of hazy, but I don't know if it's hazy or just unfiltered. I don't even know what that means. I don't know how it's unfiltered because... What's the difference? What's the difference between that, huh? Unfiltered and hazy. I don't know because, like, I don't filter mine and all the, set, all, all the stuff just drops out after a while and the beers get super clean. So why these don't drop out, it must be the lactose, if I had to guess. Uh, unfiltered tiered double India pale ale. Nice. Galaxy Citra and Strata contains milk lactose. There you go. That's why it does that. So how was your week this week? Good week. Quiet week. While I get a tasting note here. Yeah. Um, I've been uh, smoking things. And you've been cooking. (laughs) (laughs) In my smoker. Yeah, so what did I what did I smoke this week? We smoked a rack of ribs. Oh wow. You know, I went I went big the first time out. I did uh two racks of ribs. And because I was smoking them, you know, it it really imparted a lot of flavor into it, but I guess I was just too new to it and I didn't know how to do it and there was a lot of things It was too smoky is what you're saying? No, there are a lot of things online saying, Oh, it dries it out too much, it dries it out too much. But I was like, Oh, let me just try traditional. I kept meticulous notes on it. But it did dry it out and we we had a little bit of it for that first night. But then Anne was like, We can we can do something with this. People aren't really finishing their their bones. So so we kept it all You made like a stew or something? And we threw it in a pot and we basically braised it. And the minute we started braising it. Define braising for those who don't know. That's that's this guy. My understanding, <laughs> my understanding of braising is is like a stew where you put it in in liquid, but you to cover it. But then you are just like it's not just water, so it's like a a beef broth, and you you're basically pushing fluids back into the meat. Um, so it's like fall off the bone. Now, are you using a pressure cooker to do that? We didn't have to. So okay. it was it was perfectly smoked. Um, it was it, you know it's borderline jerky. You know a little, a little closer to jerky when you when you when you do that. Ah, so it does dry it out pretty good. So it dried it out a lot, and you know I think some people were saying wrap it in foil for the second half, and I was like oh, I'm just gonna try it traditional. I'm not gonna listen to the the jokers in the in the in the comments, you know. And where does all the juice go? Does it is there like a drip thing or something? There is a drip thing, but with the smoke, it cooks it so slowly and it brings it up to temperature so slowly that it just basically it evaporates as you're it, it, yeah, it just it just blows right out of there. Yeah. So, Anne made a beef broth after dinner after our dinner on Saturday night. And then we she put it into this um, Dutch oven that we have, basically a big uh, Le Creuset. You know the Le Creuset? Yeah, we have one of those. Yeah. Yeah, so Le Creuset. And then, you know, after she brought, got it to a boil, we threw it in the oven to, to, to basically bake and braise it. Right. And it was amazing. Like, it filled the house with the aroma of the smoked meat. And you could see the smoke ring inside of the meat. You know, when you cut the cut the meat oh, away really? from the bone, you could see like a red line halfway through the meat. Interesting. Where the, where the smoke had penetrated to. 
And, yeah, wow. And, That's and interesting. The braising just brought out the flavor of the smoke and and it was it was an amazing Sunday meal. And kind of rejuiced it in a sense. It rejuiced it. You know, it's beef broth, so it basically was, you know, it's already it's just rebeefed the the beef ribs. It rebeefed it. <laughs> and then the then early this week. Uh, I made smoked salmon, which is supposed to be uh, closer to jerky. So that one was okay. That was good. I gave uh, Frank and Barbara a piece of jer- uh, a piece of smoked salmon. We had some, we had we had bagels and and lox for dinner one night. So we had some smoked salmon on that. And then uh, last night, yesterday, I cooked brisket, corned beef, corned beef brisket. And and that one, I did do the thing where I smoked it for three hours and then I, then I wrapped it in tin foil and then I brought the temperature up to finish it cooking for another three hours, a little higher temperature, like uh, 275. Okay. So you're running, I don't know what, about 10 hours so far, 12 hours with this thing. Yeah. Like six hours on that. Like, right. Total. I mean, oh, total, probably like 20 hours. Cause it's okay. Yeah. 20 hours. How many pellets, like pounds of pellets or whatever, have you used? I've probably gone, I've gone through a lot, like 10 pounds, maybe. Oh, that that few. Okay. So it's it's about a, 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 a half a pound an hour. Half a pound an hour. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. I thought it was going to be more. So that's. Well, it's the low heat. When you, when you have the low heat. Well, they burn slower. It's not pushing as many pellets. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you're running at 500 degrees, I mean, you're just. Yeah, you're going to be you're going to be doubling up on that probably. Yeah, you're cranking through it. Right. Well, cool. So far, I guess uh, success. Different different levels of success. I'm I'm very tentative about it. You know, I was worried about the brisket being too salty, but I'm I'm following all the instructions, all the directions, and I'm trying to get to a place where I can improvise a little more but but right now to start out i want to i'm feeling out this this smoker and the grill and trying to figure out how it how it works and what it's got going on it so not only are you smoking but you're also seasoning and curing exactly yeah okay okay yeah very cool so i guess uh you are gonna be uh the gourmet griller (laughs) well actually smoker and was very very suspicious she was like she said oh you know i she, she does she did like at least 80 90 percent of the grilling in the house you know even when we had the gas grill okay but like but like i told you i said you know that's the direct flames on the meat and that there's a lot more flame ups there's a lot more you get flare ups yeah exactly yeah you know and i just i just couldn't deal with that i couldn't like i can't handle the you know there's so much pressure to deal with that and with this smoker it's all indirect heat and you can get the heat cranking, but it's it's always hitting all the grease is hitting the the drip pan and dripping out the side. So yeah, I'm a, I'm most concerned about trying to make steaks on this because I I really need I want a char on a steak, you know. So I'm I'm just trying to figure out how hot I'm gonna have to get these grills, or maybe I'll need to throw in like a, a griddle inside of it that has maybe more of like an iron griddle inside to get it hotter. Yeah, and what you could do is it's like a reverse sear. Are you familiar with that? Oh, like, no, I've heard it. So a reverse sear, you'd get it to say, let's say you have a ribeye or whatever, and you want the internal temp of your ribeye at 135. Right. Let's say 135, which is like medium. Right. So, or let's say 130. You want a little bit more on the rarer side. Mm -hmm. And then what you would do is, let's say you had your gas grill 
you get your you get your gas grill good and hot and or you could even uh if you have something outside you you'd kind of want it right there and what you would do is essentially you get it to say the 130 degree or well let's say you want it at 130 maybe you pull it at 125 Mm -hmm. and then you just toss it onto the gas grill for like one minute each side uh-huh. One minute, boom, it sears. Flip it, boom, it sears. It's done, and that's they, it's like a reverse sear. Okay. So this way, it cooks slow. It gets the smoke. It's everything that you want. Yeah. And then that those last two minutes, right, right, give you that caramelized like beef. That's 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 what we do with the the what's that the water bath the sous vide because Anne will cook stuff in the sous vide and then you take it out and you finish it in a on a grill or something like that. Yeah, it's kind of that same concept. Yeah. Right. Very cool. Cool. So that was my week, you know, besides work. <laughs> I was I was in a meeting when was it yesterday and I told what I co you know the meeting wasn't had nothing to do with me but I was just like I had to be there kind of thing. And then I told one of my coworkers I said I'll be right back, <laughs> you know, cuz I had to go check on the meat. My my alarm was going off and I was oh, like Oh, that's hilarious. Oh yeah, half hour checks, you know. And so I ran over there and I came back and I was like I'm back. He's like you didn't miss anything. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> How was your week? What what are you up to? Uh week was good. It was, you know, I mean work of course, just like you. You do an air table all day every day? Is that you said just like Yeah, me? yeah exactly. I'm doing <laughs> air table. <laughs> you know, I mean, as far as personal, so I finished the bathroom. I think I talked about that last week. Yeah, you said no more on the podcast, but I was like, well, we gotta talk about it one more time. <laughs> yeah, least. no. So it's all finished, <laughs> all done. Boys even showered in it when we got home today. Nice. And I mean, yeah, it's it looks beautiful. This the the sink especially. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's a hundred percent done. And uh so now what I'm doing is I'm starting in the garage uh-huh. and I'm just going cabinet by cabinet. I'm just going through cleaning every thing getting all the last of the dust oh okay because no matter how clean you try to do it when you're under construction there is just dust uh-huh. you know i try and like tape the seals of the door the seams on the doors when to keep the dust in and right 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 you can't, you can't help it there's just always that like fine layer of dust you know so now we're going through mm-hmm. like i said the garage is like a portal for infection <laughs> because it's just you know it's dirty out there too right so i'm cleaning that getting that wiped down gone going through the cabinets getting everything kind of organized putting my tools away nice doing all that stuff i'm going to work through the house doing the same thing methodically just going room by room wiping down the baseboards and all that so you know that's going to be taking place over the next few months probably however long it takes yeah and then tonight the boys had a birthday party nice and you know it was like dress up for halloween kind of a birthday party oh cool and it was at the local like chuck e cheese wannabe sort of pizza place <laughs> you know it's not chuck e cheese it's called uh, miyamori but it's kind of that flair in a sense oh my god so me and Clarissa dropped them off, uh-huh. and we went across the street for Thai food. Nice. And so we had our little date. Date night. Thai food. Had some Thai iced tea, which I forgot how filling that alone is. <laughs> it's like all that cream and stuff, you know? Yeah. So we go back, and 
we go in for a little bit to say hi to everybody before we we all like pack it up and take off. Man, that was like a super spreader event in there. Holy cow, man! There's like hundreds of people. Nobody's wearing masks. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. And every week we get like an email from you know like the the district office yeah. saying, oh, positive cases, positive at this school, a positive at that school, whatever. Is it only one case per school? It tends to be one, two. You know, it tends to be pretty low. Man, in, in the next coming weeks, it's going to be like the whole district's going to pop because of this party. <laughs> but it wasn't just this party, though. It was like other. I mean, the whole place was just jam packed. Wow. And I'm just thinking, man, there is no fear in this place. Everybody's <laughs> into it. It was unbelievable, man. I, I couldn't wait to get out of there. But other than that, good week, quiet week. I'm happy to be back. Just I want to get the house back in order and mm -hmm. uh, the holidays. You know, it's like once Halloween shows up, it's just. Oh, uh, yeah. It's just uh, it's all downhill. Yeah. It's, it's like. Yeah. Halloween starts it. Then Mikey's birthday's halfway between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year. Then Tim's birthday in February. Yeah. My birthday in March. And I mean, it's just it's just popping from. You're just you're rolling. You're rolling for six months. The minute Halloween hits, man, it's just popping <laughs> with that. The Beatles get back. Yes. Peter Jackson is putting this together. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? On Disney Plus. It looks so like this trailer is super long. You know, what is it like three and a half minutes long? Something like that. Yeah, it's it's not short. No, but but I think it's it's perfectly, you know, it's appropriate. And it is it to me, it's so engaging. Like it's the perfect you know, <laughs> kind of the way that I joke that come on, come on is not marketing because it's fully encapsulated. This gives you the taste of the Beatles. It gives you the taste of the music. It gives you a taste of the drama with George leaving and and uh, Yoko Ono being there. And, and they they reference her as the reason to why they break up. You know, Paul McCartney's there talking. Right. And then they have the 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 deadline of getting this work done. You know, if you've never crammed for a test. Three or, weeks. Yeah, you got three weeks to write songs. And these are iconic songs. These are oh, like, they're some of the greatest songs. <laughs> and they're just riffing. And you, and you hear them just like... They're riffing on the lyrics and they're just mentioning lyrics to one another. And 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 John Lennon is just like, throw it away. It's like, call it flat. you know, like, I don't even know what he's talking about, but it's just so offhand. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> I mean. And then Ringo's there with his daughter. And it's just this awesome vibe that just and it's and then and then the way Disney says it, like, you know, Disney Plus on their marketing it's like uh november a three-night event it's like they've eventized this remember eventize right, right they've eventized this to three nights at the end of november like you know this is this is uh, a thanksgiving feast for any beatles fans and maybe any documentary fans <laughs> the beatles you. anthology <laughs> is right here yeah and that my friend is outrageously amazing if you've never seen it i'll have to lend you it okay i gotta i gotta get the the uh the the star wars back to you last time you weren't come you didn't come down or we were we mismatched and well we'll we'll swap them out yeah i'm wondering so this is footage 50 years locked away yeah so i wonder 
how much of it is is not has never been seen i mean obviously 50 years locked away but like even the beatles anthology they they go into the studio they do a lot of stuff so this must be just other recording sessions obviously right did it get locked away because it's like the kennedy assassination tapes (laughs) like we don't pull it out until everybody's dead sort of a thing (laughs) or did someone like forget about it and go like what's over here huh, check this out, a bunch of reels. <laughs> and then they pull it out and go, I wonder what's on this. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's the Beatles, like, putting it's the uh, sessions, this whole, putting the, putting yeah, the, the sessions the last all album together. together. Yeah. Well, and I love, I love the fact that they found the line where Paul McCartney says, you know, in 50 years from now, this, you know, Somebody will say the Beatles broke up because Yoko sat on an amp. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like to find that line and then to say, you know, this is 1969 and that and today it's 2021. You know, it's it's 52 years later. It's it's amazing. Well, it's probably less than 52 when they fi- when they were going through the footage. Right, 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 right. Oh, yeah. No, but I'm saying but you 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 kind of you plot it out and you and I think it was delayed a little from COVID. Right. Because uh, Peter Jackson did a little a teaser trailer. Uh, I saw that one. Yeah. Yeah. But but this is like the official full on trailer. And, you know, and I think and I think this is just like a feast for. And and to me, like you said, Peter Jackson, like he he can do whatever he wants to do, and he's choosing to do documentaries. Like he cho- he chose to do that World War One footage documentary, and now he's doing this Beatles, uh, you know, this assembly, and you know, storytelling is storytelling, <laughs> and, and when you have a subject matter as as rich and and chock full of strife and conflict and 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 beauty and art it's just going to be an amazing thing when it when when it comes out so can't wait yeah and a few things it sounds like with that paul mccartney line and everything it sounds like this is time capsuled oh yeah on purpose on purpose though okay so and you know and i mean maybe i'm wrong but in 50 years people are gonna say the beatles broke up dot 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 you know all that Mm -hmm. and maybe that's part of like the time capsule is when it goes in another thing i'm wondering and i'm i'm hoping not is that it's not just going to be a bunch of scenes cut together but it actually tells a story oh yeah and has a bit of a narrative to it that not that we in the modern age fabricate the story but that they actually wanted to tell a story and knew somewhere somebody would edit this thing to tell the good story that it is or the great story yeah i mean you know documentaries as we've discussed can lend themselves to these perfect kind of thread of a story and you know and ken burns and right you know uh opera operation odessa and uh <laughs> what is it that <laughs> crime fellas goon fellas <laughs> you know they, i think this is you know i i it's got peter jackson doing it but maybe the subject matter is a little easier even <laughs> you know what i mean when you have the beatles let's like let's just be iconic about it and and I think his his skillful it hand, itself. yeah, his skillful hand there will will make choices that that will heighten it. Uh, but like you said, it, it you know you could watch them just sit around chatting for <laughs> three days and it would still be interesting. So it looks like the film has been like highly redone, highly polished, highly cleaned, and yeah, HDified, right. 
you know, for for KFI'd and all that <laughs> stuff. I mean, it looks like and the way some of the the scenes were done, it looks very modern in like, you know, with the slide, they have like the the slide camera going past mm-hmm. and where where like your 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 focus is on or, or on the or, or the subject matter is on the Beatles, but the way the camera is moving and panning, it's like the background is shifting and stuff. So it's very cool how it was done. Yeah. In a very modern sense that you'd almost think 50 some odd years ago they wouldn't even have those uh, I don't know techniques, yeah, abilities or those, yeah, like they wouldn't have that that technology to do that. So that's really awesome to see. And I think the last question I have, we're gonna watch it. I think boomers are certainly gonna watch it. <laughs> but who's the? I mean, millennials are they an audience for this? Do you think? Are they trying to bring back the mystique of the Beatles? I mean, do they even care? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think this is something that you know it would it'll bridge the generations. I think, you know, if think so, okay, if you're a boomer and you have some Gen Zers in the house and you come around for Thanksgiving, some zoomers. Yeah. You, you have, you have an, you have a, something that you can gather around and watch. That's after Thanksgiving dinner guaranteed fam. Yeah. Family friendly. Keep, that uncle from talking about politics. Let's just throw on some. <laughs> let's throw on the Beatles doc. You know, best way to shut up your crazy uncle, right? I love that. I love that. And he's that into it too. Be their tag. <laughs> the best way to shut up your uncle after Thanksgiving dinner, and then it's JoJo was a man, and then they just cut into that. Like I think that would be a great voiceover. All right, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm in. I'm gonna watch. Uh, we typically have thanksgiving here at our house Uh and uh i mean i i'm assuming we will again yeah so if that's the case i mean we'll all pile in the living room put it on the big screen get the speakers rocking and uh, i think we are all over this one so (laughs) i love it i love it all right man second trailer for the night which brings in the urban roots uh beer beer can here which i'll take a picture of and i want to say ted apologizes for last week getting our, our page up late yeah yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, and I put up my can from last week to go along with uh, House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, and this week I have Colin Kaepernick's uh, Afro on a beer can. So, uh, Colin in black and white, tell me about it. So, what do you, what do you think? I mean, another so another documentary, another another person in in a type of crisis moment, but also in this growth moment. Um, Another person that's kind of, you know, the Beatles talk about how they've grown shy. And to me, Colin Kaepernick has definitely shied away from the limelight. So it's great to see him back out, being able to speak from his experience of his life. Um, So I'm just, I'm excited to see him back in a place to showcase what what he went through to get to where he is now you know yeah and i was struck by it like when you think about a documentary documentaries are like biographies Mm -hmm. and when you think about documentaries you often don't think of often don't think of (laughs) okay you You just rarely you rarely think of yes yeah 
of of documentaries like autobiographies. Yeah. So an autobiography is like your memoirs in a sense. Mm -hmm. This is like an auto documentary because he's writing it and, you know, he's kind of producing this thing about himself. Yeah. So that I find interesting in so far as from his perspective, why does he think people want to hear his story? And maybe rather than writing a book, this is his way of telling his story. Yeah, I mean, the, he so he's credited as a writer on this. Exactly. Um, and and I I applaud Netflix for telling us it's a series. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Limited series. Limited right. series. And uh, you know they put uh, Ron Swanson in it. You know what I mean? They ha- he has some decent. <laughs> right. They have a decent production value. Good actors. You know, a quality cast. You're going to see stories from Colin Kaepernick's life. And I think to me, this is this is, you know, this kind of will lead into what we're watching because of the because of what I was saying about Dave Chappelle, his latest uh, his latest you know comedy show. But it's like when your audience, when you're when you choose to take a stand for or against something, the narrative of who you are, the, your identity, because it becomes so tied with this movement that Colin was was protesting, it allows your opponents, it allows your detractors to define you. And because of the way his voice was quieted by the the NFL and by, you know, the powers that be, it was an interesting space to showcase you know, how powerful, you know, the detractors can be. And they, they defined him and he wasn't in a place where he could fight back or say, no, that's not, I'm, this is not the whole of me. This is not the sum of all of what I have, you know, fought or built over my life. Um, And at the time that he was pushed out, he wasn't, you know, he didn't have a choice or a chance to speak for himself. So this is a way to defend your life and to kind of define, you know, to showcase what you think is important about your own life. When for so many years, people have said uh, both for him and against him, you know, you you become the embodiment of the movement and then people that agree with you then put you on a pedestal and make you their hero. And then as you're taken down, you become their martyr. You know what I mean? And then you become the 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 focal point of the opposition against the thing that you're doing. So I think, you know, he's been he's been pushed around a lot for a lot of years and he hasn't said much. So it's to me, it's extremely interesting to hear him say what he want, what is important to him about his life and what got him there. And and even early on, when he when he first started speaking about what he was doing, he wasn't very eloquent. You know what I mean? He didn't even care to vote. He didn't care about who was running. He said it's all the same. It doesn't matter who's in the who's in the office or whatever. So he he wasn't ready to be the poster child for a movement that needed a little more mature poster child. So I think hopefully he's in a place now where he doesn't have to be everything to everyone, but he can at least be what he wants to be or he wants to portray about his life and his his trials growing up. Yeah, he had 
the emotion and he had the uh, the feelings that he had. He didn't have the language or the vocabulary to apply to to those feelings. Right. And I think what he you know kneeling in during the national anthem and stuff. There's surface level or, or there there's the the surface level optics of it. Mm-hmm. The national anthem goes. The military salutes. People put their hand over their heart, and he takes a knee. Right. So that initial, it's it's it's. Oh yeah, I mean you're you're military, so right. But it's jarring, right? Right. When you first see it, you're like, "What's this guy doing?" Mm-hmm. And on its face, it looks like unpatriotic, un-American, all that kind of stuff. But there's a much deeper meaning to it that I think most people don't slow down enough because people are reactionary. They want the sound bites. They listen to the talking heads on TV and everybody's, if you like him, then you're just going to side with him and there's really nothing, no one's talking in favor of him because what's that argument? I agree. There's the argument, right? (laughs) But it's so easy to lambaste the guy and break him down and say he's like a communist or something. Right. You know, because it's just like that's just easy attack fodder. Right. So I think, you know, his stance against police violence and everything that he was making it wasn't saying that the flag is bad or the United States is bad or whatever as as an entity, but that we continue to maintain as a country, we continue to maintain these these practices, you know, jaywalking, for example, in my opinion, is a stop and frisk law. Right. You know, that's why it exists, because somebody crosses against the light. Oh, here's a good opportunity to frisk the guy, look for drugs. Right. You know, it, it really has nothing to do with anything other than that. You know, routine traffic stops. Uh-huh. They don't make the roads safer. People still speed. You know, people still do it. I mean, if it's really about speeding, then you're going to put up like speed cameras and just mail people tickets. Right. It keeps everybody safer. Nobody has to get, you know, like dragged out of their car, you know, or whatever, you know. And we all, we, we you know, we know all the racial injustice stuff that comes from uh, routine traffic stops and things, you know. And so essentially it was his stance or, well, kneeling, however you want to, you know what I mean, against that sort of thing and the institutions that continue to promote, or maybe not promote, but support, and that just continue it over time. Yes. And when you look at, like, deeper meanings and things, so I made the the comment earlier in the green room about how Don Rickles couldn't be a comedian today, right? Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, and I don't I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he had this one joke that on its face sounds extremely racist, Uh you know, and his joke was something along the lines of if it wasn't for Mexican immigrants, we wouldn't have trash Uh or or we wouldn't have the trash or something to those to that effect. Right. Right. But the meaning behind that joke was. If it wasn't for Mexican Mexican immigrants, the the people, the white supremacist types who hate Mexican immigrants wouldn't have reared their head against them. And we wouldn't know who the trash is, essentially. Oh, OK. Right. So when like but but it's so nuanced and yeah. so like deep to think in that most people don't think of it in the in that deep term of like calling out the 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 racist for hating on immigrants instead people just 
equate what he's saying about Mexican immigrants as if they're the trash. Right. Right. So and and I think that's kind of where the Colin Kaepernick NFL side of the thing is. They see him kneel. Oh, he hates America. He's a hate America first guy. Right. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then, well, I mean, and that's that's a narrative that's set up against him. And I think that's exactly right. But I think what was drowned out was the fact that before he was ever kneeling, he was doing something that was less conspicuous. He was actually just sitting on the on the bleachers behind on the bleachers. Yeah. Yeah. On behind behind where they would stand. And uh, the the lore is the story is that he asked a military friend of his, a vet friend, that he said, "I'm protesting this. It has nothing to do with the military." Yeah, I heard an interview with that guy on a podcast, and he, yeah. and that, and that guy confirmed that this was true. That that's a true story. Yeah. So he said, "If you if you want to show respect for the military and continue to do your protest, do the kneeling thing." And that kneeling is the thing that brought the protest to light you know what i mean he, exactly. he was sitting on the bleachers for who knows how many weeks and uh and nobody, nobody said, said a, nobody it. said a thing about it and the minute he starts kneeling and then somebody else kneels with him you know and then it's a movement then it's a thing then it's something that the, the nfl ha- then goodell has to deal with it you know what i mean and 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 because it's sport in this sports mega you know money ball situation then you just want as little friction as possible you want you want you know you want your trump supporters to be fans of a team and your you know obama supporters to be fans of a team and and they could be fans of the same team or opposing teams but the fact that they're on opposite political ends should never be brought up because it's distracting from people going to games thinking about the game and that brings up the thing that drives me the most insane about this whole thing yeah why on earth are taxpayer dollars used to fly fighter jets over football games i i know it's advertising but i hate whenever i see like the military worship yeah well here's the thing though NASCAR pitted themselves against the NFL, essentially saying that they're patriotic and the NFL sucks, right? Because of Kaepernick. Bullshit. The second thing is, why is the military dragged out in front of everybody as like, you know, oh, here's a corporal so-and-so works in IT, one of America's heroes. Yeah, yeah. It drives me insane that we have to drag the military out in front of everything, you know, and everybody's like, ah, oh, thanks for your everybody cheers and stuff. It's like, man, if you are a military fan, then go enlist and have your kids enlist yeah. and go fight these wars and quit bitching about Afghanistan and everything because nobody gives a shit about Afghanistan for 20 years until all of a sudden, you know, Biden wants to leave because Trump started the thing and and all of a sudden like Biden's the jerk and it's like if you care that much then go enlist, you know, and you go over there and do that stuff. It it drives I hate that. I hate that. I am so sick and tired of going to a Dodger game and they roll out the the veteran guy whatever it is, missing an arm or something and everybody cheers and it's like, man, if you actually gave a shit, you would do way more than just put a, you know, a sticker on your car that says support our troops. Okay, great. How? 
How? Tell me how you're supporting our troops other than your slacktivist way of supporting troops. Slacktivist, yeah. The five the five dollar. <laughs> it pisses me off. All of this military worship stuff. I hate it because it does nothing but keep everybody driving their monster trucks buying all their crap from Amazon, cheap-ass shit from Walmart. Nobody has to do anything but send the poor to go fight and win these wars. We don't even win them anymore because they're forever wars that we can't do anything about. Yeah. Like, my opinion, 100% draft across the board. No deferments or anything. Do the Israeli thing. Do the Israeli thing, and I will get... Once you have congressmen and senators, kids, I guarantee you we will not have these stupid wars. Yeah, much, much less. And the second thing we need to do is have a war tax. The minute we do a military thing, everybody gets, like, taxed to the gills. And I guarantee you, all these Republicans who <laughs> love going places, bombing all these poor countries, <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. minute... They're taxed 75% to go do these bombings. They're going to be like, why are we bombing these people? <laughs> I don't want to go bomb these people. I want my money so I can like, have money to, uh, so I can buy a new iPhone. Uh so funny i mean it's so it's so true it's so true i love i love your tax angle because i you know i get we get the the calls of her for you know surveys all the time and i love my political survey calls because i always you know i give them a piece of my mind <laughs> and they were calling us about the la tax they're like we're gonna do a new la tax for for new roads and you know revitalization in los angeles for the roads and we're going to do a sales tax. We're going to pump sales tax up half a percent or something like that. And I'm like, go for it. Let's do it. We're we're taxed to the gills. Why stop there? <laughs> <laughs> I said, we're taxed to the gills anyway. Let's do that. And at the very, her very last question was, another way we could pay for this is a parcel tax. And I said, let me stop you right there. <laughs> As a person who owns a home and a person who plans on owning the next home that we move into and never to not be a homeowner, I I will actively like work against any politician that that lobbies for a parcel tax on on homeowners and and landowners because I'm just like, you know, I I was like, it's such a smaller subset of of the country. And it's like the same way I could be for a sales tax. Sales tax just captures everybody. Everybody's in it. You know, you're all in it together. There's no there's no separation. But the minute you put a parcel tax in, you're you're leveling out your you know, you're taking owners and you're putting more of the burden on them over renters and other, you know, like. Well, let me say it this way during our uh, our tax talk with Jim and Ted. <laughs> so a, a couple of quick things just to rebut there and then we'll get back. So one is a sales tax isn't really a great idea because in a recession, then revenues go down because people stop yeah. spending money, right? Mm -hmm. A parcel tax is a bad idea because it's like a property tax. So if you think about a property tax, yeah. a property tax pays or, or taxes are levied on improved lots, right? So improved means, right. you know, you, you build a house or you build a, a, a factory or whatever that is. Rather than either of those, a land value tax. Mm. Now, what that looks at is you pay whatever, 5,000 bucks for, for your 
your land tax, Mm -hmm. the vacant lot that's unimproved next to you pays the same 5,000. Right now in a property tax, you pay 5,000. That guy might pay like 500. Right. So he's disincentivized to build anything because his property taxes go up. But if if everybody's already paying the property tax the same as hmm. improved or or unimproved unimproved okay it behooves you and incentivizes you to build on that lot so this way you can add housing or get rid of it yeah or sell it but what i'm saying though is yeah you could leave it as an empty lot or put a parking lot and it does nothing and you pay it's not improved you pay no tax mm-hmm. Or you could put an apartment building or build a house and provide somebody with like a place to live, a place to live. Yeah. Right. So everybody pays a land tax rather than a property tax. And I think that would keep property taxes or that that would keep taxes for homeowners who are already on improved lots. Right. At a reasonable rate. Because you, because those people, me and you, who have a, a, a house, house. And we pay that. <laughs> we are subsidizing the guy who doesn't do anything with his lot. Right, right. Because it still takes us that same amount of pipe to go past his house. Right. It still takes that same amount of asphalt and sidewalk and sewer and everything. Everything. Yeah. Electric to go past his house. It's just not improved. Tied in. Right. So he pays much lower tax than if it was an improved lot Mm. now i think but see who who that's gonna like make people go insane because all these people had now whenever you look at an empty lot in the middle of la and you're thinking oh my god with prices the way they are how can this guy afford to have this place sit empty now you know why that's the exact reason (laughs) it sits empty is because his taxes are extremely low and he doesn't want to build anything because his taxes will become extremely high right Right. So anyway, getting back to Colin in black and white. <laughs> yeah. So and then what? But but one more thing. on okay. your, Oh, here on, we go. On, here we go. No, on the military, on the military. Right. Part. OK. So not on the taxes part, but uh, you have Apple TV plus. I do. You should check out the problem with Jon Stewart. Is that a, a documentary or something? Or it's a new show from Jon Stewart where uh, you know instead of doing the Daily Show where he you know he does news and stuff like that, he takes one topic every week or something and he he dives deeply into it, talks to you know experts, and you know his big thing was the whole nine eleven commission where. All the first responders in 9-11 for years for, you know, he's been taught. We're getting sick and all that. They're getting sick and right. he was fighting for their rights. And, and the guys that he was fighting for, these firemen and, and police officers that, that ran into the towers, they were dying around him. You know, they they literally would go to Congress and, and, and testify in front of Congress and then months later just die. Like, you know, so, oh, wow. so John Stewart is fighting with these guys and- from that activism in that very acute way, he's now taken it into this format of a television show, a series where he takes one topic and he dives deeply into it. And and the, the first episode is all about the trash fires at military sites. Trash fires? <laughs> so instead of burying the trash, instead of doing something with the trash, they would set trash on fire with jet fuel near near military sites in Afghanistan, you know, f- just round the clock. Oh, this is overseas. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, not in our country because the EPA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in Afghanistan, it's like these... But the EPA doesn't count over there. It's a different <laughs> right. environment. Right. 
but but apparently, you know, very similar to 9-11, these the military people that are in charge of these fires or the barracks that are near the fires, uh. they're getting they're getting they're having long term sickness and death and and cancer and all these things well imagine the the chemicals are yeah burning exactly off and plastics and ugh. yeah everything everything's burning and so for whatever this the first hour it's just you know he's diving into it in such a way that's so visceral and he's talking to some people that are you know survivors of the actual thing and then and then like loved ones of people who have passed from it and brings them into a, you know, a panel. And then he goes, talks to, you know, the head of VA, you know, and, and it's just, it's just infuriating. And yet it seems very informed and, and important, the things that he's doing. So I'm sorry, I've crossed over into what we're watching a little bit, but, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but just because you were talking about the military, you know, you know, it was very poignant you know i think that's that's my word of the day <laughs> um because it it felt like it's things you know he it felt it feels like he might make you angry every week but it feels like things that we should know about and we should care about yeah well we need to know these things yeah that's what i mean you can't just close you know like like i said if we had a war tax of sorts yeah and whatever let's say your tax 25 percent of your income you know just make a simple number ouch and then we decide it's time to go to war okay everybody time to pay up wartime 75 percent tax oh. i guarantee you we will stop bombing poor brown people <laughs> in, poor, in poor brown countries i'm just yeah. saying i guarantee you it would stop yeah because all the people who are happy to do it they their life goes on unscathed as if nothing in the world is wrong right once you start doing that and you start putting that burden on them they'll immediately say okay time out hit the brakes why are we doing this i don't right. think we should be doing this i don't want to get taxed <laughs> and Going back to Colin Kaepernick, yes, kneeling and everything. I was on the fence whether or not I was going to watch. Okay, you know, I wasn't. I mean, because I know the story, and and not. I'm not saying I wasn't going to watch because like, ah, you know, he's like he's a racist or something. I don't mean that. I'm just saying like I kind of know the story and everything. What's new? What what do you what do you what 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 can you learn from this, right? Like, yeah, what how additive can it be? To the extent that I know the story, it's like enough of the story that I want to I want to know. Um I I would say the audience for this, like I understand his argument. I understand the deeper meaning behind what he's doing. I've listened the different podcasts where people were interviewed both for and against and everything and i couldn't say more than that i agree with him mm -hmm. on that note it's like i watch it and i'm like hell yeah man stick up for yourself and screw the man you know kind of a thing right but maybe it's like the the i don't know the right wing guy that needs to watch it so he sees him as a human and not just as what the talking heads belabor on all these news programs yeah yeah, and I mean, I think for me, it's like he, you know, like I said, he was he was forced into this narrative where he became this flat uh, poster child for a movement. Right. And this is him telling his life story, his autobiography, like you said, about his childhood, about growing up 
as as you know basically as a white person but in a black body you know what i mean like you're raised by white parents and you're brown and you have to come to terms with racism in a completely different way than you don't you don't have the parents you know if you're a black person you have black parents then you have your legacy knowledge of your black parents experience and their experience is going to inform your experience whereas if you have colin kaepernick's upbringing from this you know from this encapsulated trailer that we see if you're raised by white parents they love respect and stand up for him but they can never fully ingrain him with the the legacy knowledge of what it what is like to be young and black. And they don't know what it's like when they're not there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's in the back seat of their car and the police pull over the dad, let's say, is much different than that scene when he's driving and you see the cop go for his gun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, to me, that that's the interesting part. The interesting part is not the activist, the kneeler and the NFL. It's this athlete. How do you get to the point where you're the activist, the kneeler in the NFL? Right. Right. It's like this athlete that wants to do something that that who's being not he's been asked to play baseball and he wants to play football. You know what I mean? Like to me, that was the biggest takeaway. It's like, is he going to do what he wants to do? Or is he going to do what society has told him? This is your avenue for excelling baseball. And I'll bet, I mean, if he went down the baseball route, he probably would have been a major leaguer. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just, it's like, you know, you have people like Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson. They play two sports. I mean, right. There's just some people that are amazing athletes. And I'm sure, you know, you look at any of them, NFLers, NBAers, major leaguers, you know, I'm, you look at any of these major, uh, stick and ball sport guys, <laughs> they're, they're just great athletes, period. Right. There's a drive inside of them that will make them excel in anything, a drive and a natural talent. Right. And they, but they choose to focus the natural talent into a, a, a skill set of a sport. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think, you know, I like I said, I was on the fence whether or not I was going to watch it. I think after a conversation, I, I plan to watch it. You know, I'd love to see people who disagree with him, who don't like him. You know, I hope it captures some of those eyeballs. Yeah. Do you think they'll watch? I don't know that they would watch. That's just it. I think they're going to see a story about him and just. I know. I know about Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, and they're just going to hit, like, the block button or something. Don't ever show me this again. <laughs> or, or, this is on Netflix. They'll down-thumb it. No, no, let's let's talk about your experience right now. Let's, let's, let's transition okay, let's get into, into what, what we're watching. watching yeah. Because you, I suggested something for you to watch, and you couldn't even find it. I was searching it. So this is <laughs> Dave Chappelle, The Closer. The Closer, that's right. It's his, uh, well, the way he says, his, his last show in a minute. <laughs> So Ted sends this to me and he said, uh, he said, oh, you know, there's controversy about, you know, transgendered people and on and on. Right. And so I was reading some news articles and I thought, okay, this seems like I'm curious what it is. So, right. It's like the Barbara Streisand effect, right? (laughs) Totally. Totally. (laughs) I want to go watch. And I go to Netflix and I type in Dave Chappelle and there's like all his his Netflix series, but that one, that's weird. I type in <laughs> Dave Chappelle, the closer. 
There's all his Netflix series, but that one. <laughs> I type in just The Closer. Uh-huh. There's all the Dave Chappelle series, but that one. <laughs> so then Ted sends me the link to it. You click on the link. I click on the link. Boom. Nope. <laughs> oh. Not initially. Oh. Remind me came up. Wow. You know the remind me thing yeah, that if, yeah, it's, yeah, if yeah. it's not out yet, it yeah. said remind me. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> so I closed it and then I clicked it again and this time it went to it. Oh, wow. So it was like next to impossible to, for me to get to this thing. And the funny thing about it, though, is if you didn't say anything, I never would have known of it. No, it wouldn't have ever surfaced to you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if it's like they're grooming the audience because I know the boys watch some of the stuff on, on my side because we have our, our different like profiles. Right. Some of like the anime stuff is not on their profile. So they'll jump over to mine to see it. Right. Uh, maybe it's just like, I don't know what they think of it as mature or something. TV, TV 12 or TV 14 or something. Uh-huh. Whatever it is. Yeah. So maybe because they're like, oh, this guy watches like 12 year old stuff. We can't give him Dave Chappelle. <laughs> but we'll give him old Dave Chappelle stuff like <laughs> It's just as crude, but less crass, if that even makes sense. <laughs> so, okay, so that that's your your experience trying to get into the closer, but you did get into it and you did watch it. I did, yeah. And I and and you know Dave Chappelle, like Anne's heard some of his skits and things like that. Dude, that dude, I I, I mean, it was funny. It's so funny, and and like I love the Dave Chappelle show. His MLK impressions <laughs> are second to none. Yeah. When he's talking about the Me Too and they all show up in black dresses. <laughs> I mean, it is that is priceless. We're going to do the Birmingham bus boycott. Let's all wear the same the same outfit or whatever. I mean, that dude is priceless. But I mean, do you think so? What was your comment? You said to me earlier, you said, uh, I don't think the they didn't watch it to the end. They didn't watch it to the end. I'm sorry, there's going to be spoilers in this, but this is something that, you know, we have to spoil a little bit. So if, you, if you're if you at least on the fence. So I had heard controversy about this and I had heard things being said and I heard about boycotts of Netflix and uh, and the boycotting of Netflix. And then Ted Serrano's, is that his name? Ted Serrano's, the, the you know, the president. Serrano's or something. Yeah, the CEO of Netflix. Serrano's, yeah. He wrote he wrote a strongly worded uh, letter to the public about why he's not going to shut down Dave Chappelle. And then I was like, so am I going to read this letter? Am I going to listen to articles about it or just cut to the chase and watch this thing? You know what I mean? Like, let's just see what this is all about from my own eyes and not and not get caught up in the Twitter sphere or the, you know, Instagram or any of the stuff, any of the the turmoil the surrounding it. So so it was it was even just like last night. I think, you know, I just watched it and I just got I just got drawn in and drawn in. And it wasn't a typical comedy special. You know, I mean, the first half is. But then he gets to Daphne and just that Daphne story to me makes makes the world a difference. And it's just like I agree. It is this humanizing thing when he makes that last joke, you know, kind of at her expense. Right. And and she says and she says to him, I don't need you to understand me. I need you to to just know that I'm having a human experience. I mean, I I watched it, you know, and I, it moved me. It was it was poignant, like I said. 
And then today at lunch, you know, this I said this isn't Anne's cup of tea, but I said, let me just play this one segment, you know, the the segment about Daphne bombing as his opening act, you know, which is which is such a great, such a great way to lead into this space because it's so disarming and it's so typical Dave Chappelle. And you're just like, oh, he's just on the edge. And even though this is his friend, he's dogging the shit out of his friend. You know what I mean? And then you get to the point where Daphne kills herself and you're just, you're so, I, maybe you, not you, maybe me, maybe it's just me. I, I'll just speak for myself, I guess. I was so caught off guard from that, from all the way from the moment that he says the thing about having a human experience to the point where he explains that a week later, you know, then he, she, def, then Daphne defends Dave Chappelle on Twitter, on Twitter, on the, in the, in the social space. And then Daphne kills herself. So this sequence of events in the special happens so rapidly and it's such a departure from a comedy special that it just, it, it rocked me and it rocked the audience and you could hear the audience just crumble in that moment. And there's nervous laughter, which I identify with. That's, I do that all the time. I, it's, it's a, it's a horrible thing, but it is a thing that people do. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You know? And it's and it's so real. And so today at lunch, when we we're Anne and I were having lunch together, I said, "Just watch this part with me," you know. So I just played played that part. And Anne's like, "Are you crying?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, this is this is a moving shit. Like I don't typically. I'm just I was caught off guard last night, so I didn't I didn't get to fully experience it. But when I watch it the second time, and I think when you first see it, you are caught off guard. You're shocked. Yeah, yeah. I was shocked. So I was like. I was like, I knew I saw something important, but I didn't like, I didn't catch the gravity and the weight of it. You didn't digest it. Yeah. So when I watched it the second time, I'm like, just, you know, a little teary about that whole interaction and the connection that he made with a friend and, and the fact that he felt like Daphne failed him even, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like it was this mutual thing of like, even his friendship couldn't keep her from doing that. And she had a avenue of of doing that but then then the thing was this is from the he you know he talks about the sticks and stones the sticks and stones was the special that he was shooting that he was performing in san francisco with her opening but sticks and stones the comedy special was actually filmed in atlanta so the comedy special that was public that was shown that's in netflix you know you can find is the atlanta version which doesn't have daphne and it's a completely different show but that sticks and stones i watched it today because i was like let me just see where what what kind of it's so heavy the first 10 minutes the first 15 minutes of sticks and stones is about suicide it's about anthony bourdain taking his own life Mm. it's about his loser friend from high school that you know he went on to be a uh, a lawyer but he married like he married the wrong woman at the beginning of his life and she took half of everything and he was working at Foot Locker and he's like so Anthony Bourdain has the best job in the world and he can't keep from taking his own life and yet my friend who works at Foot Locker after being a lawyer and like he's 50 years old and he's like he's a failure and, and he he hasn't even thought twice about taking his own life he's like 
there's something about that that's not that doesn't that doesn't make sense, you know? So well, it's like nihilism. Yeah. So it was it was very str- it was it was very strange to watch these two specials in the sequence that I watched them in because knowing that Daphne was exposed to that, yeah, she had the torment of her trans tribe turning against her because she was defending Dave Chappelle on on the in the Twitter sphere Twitter sphere. But you know, she was also, you know, a week removed from this this special or whatever. Not, I guess it wasn't a special, but, you know, it was just so it's such a heavy thing to carry around. And it was um, amazing to me. So, yeah. And I think it catches you off guard because Chappelle's history past 20 years or whatever it is. He's crass. Yeah. He's crude and rude. And I mean, foul language. You know, he's 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 that comedian. He's the Richard Pryor, the Eddie Murphy, you know, just the crass and crude cussing and swearing all the time, just in conversation, kind of a comedian. And a little and a little bit of Archie Bunker thrown in there. A little, yeah, yeah. And and that's where a lot of his laughs come from, too, is when I'm not funny, just swear more kind of a thing <laughs> and it gets more laugh. If, I, if i can't if i can't uh, humor them i will shock them exactly <laughs> yes he comes off as his typical self you know he comes off as the crass crude loud whatever cussing swearing you know comedian mm-hmm. and i think it goes back to what we've been saying this whole time about these deeper meanings and things and some of the jokes you know like you're punching down on me the way he he words these things and you know one of the things he made the comment was how he admires gay people so much because black they've- people have been trying to get <laughs> civil rights for hundreds of years and they've done it in a couple of decades yeah yeah. You know, and like they're amazing with all that, you know, and the Stonewall and, and, and so on. And so he gets into some of these arguments or, or comments and stuff the way he does it. But I think he does it in such a way because it's not necessarily like I'm going to get cheap laughs at other people's expenses. I think he does it in such a way that he's going to get laughs. He's going to do his comedic stuff that people are expecting. And this is all a lead up into his way of apologizing. Mm. I don't necessarily know if it was an apology, but it's his way of, of saying, I understand me as a black man and black people I know and, and, you know, the trials we go through, the Colin Kaepernick stuff, for example. Yeah. These are the things we deal with all the time. And now you guys are recently starting your your bid to come out of the closet and be who you are. And you're starting to feel what we felt for hundreds of years. Right. You know, and that's kind of where the jokes land. And then at the end, he's like, you know, it's these human experiences that we're all having and, and so on. You know what I mean? Right. And and even just that, your statement of coming out of the closet, it's like gay people, LGBTQ, for 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 some of them, there's a choice there. They, they have a choice of whether to come out or not. Yeah, that's and nobody's going to out too. them. You know, when you're black, you're black. You don't have a choice of being like, all right, I'm not going to say I'm black and then I'll get as far as I need to get. And then once I'm there, then ha ha, I'm, you know what I mean? I will, I will out myself. And then unless it's like Dave Chappelle is the uh, white or the black white supremacist. <laughs> that was one of my Still favorites. the best skit he's ever done on yeah, the Chappelle Yeah, the black show. white supremacist. <laughs> he was blind. I just have a hard to tell him. <laughs> 
So we've done, which I think you have too, Foundation. Oh, I am. I am. Foundation is growing on me. Yeah. I'm. I love the third episode. The way that they've now transitioned, and we are in another phase of history. We're in the. We're in another. We're in the a later phase in the history of the program. But it hasn't. It didn't tell us it. It showed us, and now day empire was actually dawn from the the terrorist attack that to me that was a great a great reveal and a great way of moving the story forward to be like oh the guy who was the day is now dusk and you know and day and the current day is taking him to task for not just snuffing out the sci- the scientists you know what i mean like so it's just it's just the the cadence of the way Empire is progressing as an individual cloned individual is just amazing to me. So uh, it is it is enthralling. And not being able to watch yourself being born. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that yeah, it is growing where we finished. Uh, there's five episodes. It looks like we finished four so far. So we're about. An, yeah, I think I'm there, too. Yeah, yeah. We, we're an episode down. We finished Ted Lasso finally. OK, yeah. Oh, Nate man. the Great, huh? Yeah, that was the ending was cool. <laughs> I, I felt that Nate's argument of being so angry was so like teenager. Yeah. I don't know. He had this little tantrum he kind of threw and then stormed off and spoiler alert, but I'll I'll put it out there. It's been a few weeks already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then the end, the reveal where he's the head coach of the 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 main the new team, yeah. Rivalry that the that the ex the ex-husband the yeah, ex-husband, ex-husband purchased. New, new purchase, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's going to lead to a lot of fun next year or next season whatever it is. So now now that you have it fully encapsulated season 2, it is different than the first season. It is less novel. Much better than it started, I think. Better than it, it ended started, much yeah. better than it ended started. Ended strong. Ended strong. Yeah, it ended very strong. I don't think they needed the beard episode. To me, that was the only one that they didn't necessarily need. It was a fun episode. So do you always need a certain episode or could you just have filler one week to kind of, I don't know. It was it was an interesting premise. I loved the idea of him having these bell bottoms and you know what I mean and getting through the night, you know. And it is an interesting, an interesting thing. Yeah. So what I took from that, what I took from that is, and I and and I don't think this is the case, but it reminded me of Band of Brothers, how each episode had different directors. Oh, okay. Right. So if you if you notice like the different or even Mandalorian for more more recent Mandalorian's another one that did that. Right. And when you watch, you can see how one director has style, their artistic feeling, their artistic style, their emotion into it, where other directors have, you know, well, their emotion and their artistic feel and style. And and it just struck me as something along those lines, like somewhere in there, someone got a hold of the reins. Yeah. Took the horse down a different trail and then they wound up. I have an interesting uh, path to try (laughs) for this character. Sure. And I mean, I enjoyed it. It was it was odd, but I enjoyed it. Right. And uh, but yeah, no, it finished strong. And then Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. So Harry Potter three, as it were. Uh huh. And uh, yeah. And that's about it for the week. So. okay, good. 
That's 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 enough. That's that's a decent amount. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then of course because of work and boys and school and all the <laughs> stuff that's going on in the world, I'm surprised we got that much watched. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, how about you? Anything other than uh, Foundation, Ted Lasso, Dave Chappelle? I am back into uh, the morning show on Apple TV Plus. Oh, okay. Morning show. Yeah. And it's the second season of the morning show. And to me, it is doing something. I forget. I forget what episode. One of the very early episodes where we did what we're watching, we started talking about Fear of the Walking Dead. You remember Fear of the Walking Dead? Yes. And and in the first, in the pilot episode of Fear of the Walking Dead, in the distance, you hear somebody like cutting down palm trees with chainsaws and stuff like that. Or okay. You hear an accident off in the distance. Oh, uh, like off camera. Yeah. Off camera. It's just sound design. And it's not even addressed by the characters at all. It's just sound design of of city action and city activity in the background sure, that you would yeah. hear anywhere around right. Los Angeles, you know? Although, if you think about it in the context of like the beginning of a zombie apocalypse, you're like, oh, that could be a zombie, like a, one of the first zombie attacks here, you know, like a, a traffic accident or somebody's got a chainsaw on something else, you know, because they're not cutting out a tree. They're, you know, they're trying to get out of a, a new situation where they don't know why this person's maybe it's a meth head attacking them or something. You know, the morning show this season is dealing with the New Year's 2020. So because it's a morning show, because it's like a news show. They have the one guy who's kind of known for doing like the fluff pieces. You know, he does all the light segments and he kind of travels around the world. Yeah, I know what you mean. But he wants to do hard hitting journalism. And what does he get a hold of? He gets a hold of the story about this Wuhan China flu or whatever. (laughs) And he gets to go to Wuhan and try to report on it. But he's reporting into a morning show. You know, he's he's like a, a color commentary for like. The morning show, which is like the Today Show, they're not going to – and they talk about it. They're like, nobody wants to hear about somebody catching a flu halfway around the world. You know what I mean? Like The hubris that we had as a country going into this – American exceptionalism. Is, was so, is so prevalent in this storytelling. And and there's one the, – one of the episodes was just like uh, uh, she catches a cold. And Reese Witherspoon basically boycotts her own show because she gets, you know, she doesn't get picked to do the the nightly news. You know, they need a new nightly news anchor. So she expected to be the one promoted to it. And when she wasn't, she decided to just say she had a cold. So she has a cold and she takes like a month off of work. And she's taking this month off of work. And, you know, the whole COVID-19 is just brewing. And it's just, you know, it's just building steam. But it... But, you know, January, February, March, it didn't hit until m- middle of March in 2020. That's when they sent everybody home and then they're, then we nobody ever, <laughs> then life changes, we know it. Right. And this is like, this is right now I, I'm watching and it's the end of January and the president of the network is saying like, oh, by the end of February, we're going to have a new streaming service and the streaming service is going to be the, the, you know, everything about it. And that's going to make everything better, you know, for our failing ratings and stuff like that. And just to know what they have ahead of them and how it's going to change and how they're denying it. Could you start season two without ever having seen season one? Yeah, you'd be lost a little bit about why Steve Carell's in the the Italian Riviera sulking in this in this villa villa. You know what I mean? But you could you could kind of get that he's the Matt Lauer kind of character just laying low in another country. Matt Lauer. Yeah, I mean he is. He's like right, the right, Matt right. Lauer character where. 
where maybe it's a little less vicious than Matt Lauer, where he doesn't necessarily see that he did anything wrong. But maybe Matt Lauer doesn't feel like he did anything wrong. You know what I mean? Maybe he thought we're all consenting adults. I didn't, you know, it didn't matter, you know. But so other than that, but but he's in the Italian Riviera during at the beginning of COVID. So obviously he's gonna play into this whole, you know, I'm sure COVID thing, you know. And it's and it's it's just Italy got hit hard. I, that's and hard and early. I think it's 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 heading to this this wonderful storytelling crescendo of like, you know, is it, is it too soon to revisit COVID-19 in this way? And I'm just like, no, I think uh, American exceptionalism, this the hubris that we had going into this, you could never look at this too soon to know that wearing masks, like you said, you're at the, you're at the, you're at the birthday party and nobody's wearing a mask. Like, if we don't get reminded of it now, then we'll have to live in this for another, you know, another year. Like, uh, I don't want to do this for another year. I'd rather know, wear masks and get back to work, you know? Right, right. Um, but yeah, so I I don't think you need first season. You could you could watch, just watch a second season. Just start at season two because it starts at New Year's and they're doing New Year's and then, you know, and then she doesn't, she doesn't get her job and, Fresh start. and then you kind of get into it. So it's, it's uh, to me, it's a, it's a great grown up kind of uh, drama. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like, it's, I think it's made for us. Like it's made for anyone under 30 would have to be into it. But I love newsroom. I loved like Aaron Sorkin dramas. I loved West Wing. You know, we love West Wing and this has those elements to it. So I think, I think it has, it has some, uh, some appeal. Very cool. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Give season two a shot. How'd that beer finish? Uh, amazing. It was, it, it, it stayed pretty sharp throughout, you know, normally they mellow. Yeah. And this one stayed sharp all the way to the end. And it actually, I don't, I couldn't tell what, what the sharpness was. You know, it's, I expected it because the lactose, vanilla beans, almonds, cacao, pecans. Right. You had all that stuff. You would think that it would mellow, but it didn't. It, it was, it was, uh, it was a nice, it was a nice, consistent, sharpness like bitterness quality to it very nice and normally normally it's not not as bitter how'd yours finish uh i think just the opposite i think mine did mellow it started off a little bit sweet <laughs> yeah that's it started off a little bit sweet and towards the end the profile changed slightly to a more mild sweetness it wasn't as like that tart sweetness it it kind of mellowed into more of like a bitter sweetness i think overall it was it was really good really flavorful it was a, a bit bright in flavor mm -hmm. so um when you have sometimes double ipas they might have a lot more malt you know a lot more of that caramel flavor kind of stuff this was a little bit brighter a little bit sweeter a little bit uh it wasn't citrus but it had a, a hint of fruit, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not really sure the fruit, maybe like a, a passion fruit or something. Um, but it was very good. It was very good. I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, and I've been waiting for that can. So I'm happy <laughs> I got to use it for this episode. Awesome. You know, well worth it. I have, I have one other thing that I forgot to mention in my, in my week. Uh-oh. Uh, this morning I went to... Amazon Fresh. Okay. Have you heard of Amazon Fresh? I it's have. A, it's a grocery store, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's a grocery store where you could walk in and you pick up the, the most high-tech 
grocery cart you've ever seen in your life? Yeah, I'm familiar. So did you have you gone to these yet? I've never gone to it, but I've I've uh, I've seen YouTube videos and I've read okay. articles about it. And I think I probably even heard a podcast or something about it. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very familiar. Yeah. So <laughs> here's a podcast about it. <laughs> um, and it was no, it was like a tech podcast where they were talking about. Yeah, right, 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 right. But but I was so enthralled by it. Like I went and I scanned my my Amazon app and, you know, the same credit card that I pay all my Amazon stuff with. I went and I went grocery shopping with it. And the cart does the thing where if I go get grocery, if I go get like produce, the cart has a scale inside of it. So it scans the thing that you put into it. And then if it's a weight thing, it'll it'll weigh it for you in the cart. Okay. And then it'll tell you on your screen how much it costs and how much it weighs and stuff. And then everything that goes into the cart gets scanned by the the scanner oh, sensors. Yeah, yeah. So then you're just you're you're going through and you're you're purchasing stuff just by putting in your cart. And then as you walk around, it has a little GPS locator thing within the store. So while you're in an aisle, the the screen pops up and says, "Here are the specials down this aisle. <laughs> like, here are the things that are you know on sale in the aisle that you're with. You could get your toilet paper for cheaper here or something." It, like yeah, that. it might have been like Freakonomics podcast or about like uh-huh. economics of like grocery stores or something or the future of grocery stores or I don't remember it was a while back but yeah no it was it was amazing it was it was a lot of it was a lot of fun and I I was like coming trying to come up with excuses to buy things how are the prices they're run-of-the-mill prices you know that's it's just like a grocery store it's just like a Rouse oh okay yeah so it's typical was it big I mean it was the same size and everything it was a small it was on the smaller side it was like a small Whole Foods but it, I thought the prices were actually less than Whole Foods like a big Trader Joe's like a Big Trader Joe's, yeah, with better parking, with much better parking. Better parking. <laughs> All right, man. Let's All right. Get Talk to you later. <laughs> All right. You have a good night. All right. Bye. Next week, join Jim and Ted as they disarm another Hollywood bomb or marketing masterpiece. Remember, the holy trinity of podcasting. Subscribe, like, share. Special thanks to Jeremy Kent Jackson for the voiceover and Rogelio for the music.